Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, church, remember where we left off last week. Okay, last week as we go verse by verse, God in His infinite wisdom gave us the gospel message in the Old Testament Call, in the Old Testament book called Jonah. It's flat out in the Old Testament. But can you imagine? Can you imagine the gospel message in the Old Testament in a minor book like Jonah? Right? Because a lot of times we'll say, well, I see the gospel in, in the, well, it's the gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and I see the gospel, but God in his just amazing wisdom, he's come in and he's put it through here and we can see it weaving throughout the book of Jonah, specifically last week in chapter one. Now, of course, we're going verse by verse, and we're learning how to what, how to love the unlovable. That's really the key. We want to learn to to do what God has called us to do to love those that are unlovable, or who, the, who, who or the world thinks they're unlovable, not us. I mean, God loves all of us, and God loves them, and so we're called to do that. And uh, as you know, as a church, this is our what our second core value. Well, last week, okay, we learned that Jonah was on the run from God right? He was on the run from God. And so what did he do? He started to choose his own way, not the Lord's. He found a ship that was headed to Tarshish thinking, listen, I just got to get away from God's presence. I'm just going to leave. He resigns his office of a prophet, says, I'm out of here. And he says, I'm going to Tarshish. And he goes down and, and I mean, think about it, guys. He found a ship He's trying to get away from God's calling as he possibly could. You go, well, how so? Do you remember that Tarshish is 2,500 miles in the opposite direction? God says, hey, Jonah, yes, Lord, I want you to go to Nineveh. I'm sorry, Lord, we have a bad connection here. Uh, <laughs> I thought you said Nineveh. Those are the enemies. Yes, Nineveh, I want you to go, and I've got a message. And then God says, and so Jonah says, no, 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 I'm going to hang up on God and I'm going to go 2,500 miles the other way. And really what it was, it's the tip of Spain, right? It's the tip of Spain where most people thought it was the end of the world. So what Jonah's thinking, he's like, I'm going to the end of the world. God's not there. God's not there. I mean, God's over here. He's working over here. God's not there. Well, guess what? He gets, pays the fare, gets in a ship. God sends a fierce storm so violent, guys, that the sailors were so scared that they began to panic. And that's crazy, right? They're, they're, they've, this is their life. They've seen storms come and go. But they're so freaked out, they're like, oh, throw the cargo overboard, right? I mean, they're looking for people to throw overboard too. I mean, it's like whatever it takes, you know, just lighten the ship. Lighten it. We're all going to drown. And, and, and it was so crazy that not only did they throw everything overboard, guys, but they began to pray to their God. Whoever their God was, they began to pray and cry out. Well, in the midst of this pagan prayer meeting, they realized that somebody wasn't there. You know, it's like, like, it's like uno, dos, somebody's missing. You know, we're calling out to God. Let's see. I see you, you. I know you. I work with you. Oh, yeah. You don't do anything on the ship. But anyways, so, you know, and so they look and they see Jonah's not there. Where's Jonah? Do you remember where he was? Snoresville, right? He paid the fare, went to the bottom of the boat, and he said, wake me up when we get to Tarshish, right? The captain comes in. He's like, he says, what do you mean, sleeper? I mean, he's like, dude, really? Our translations would be like, 
Are you serious? You're sleeping right now? You're kidding me. Get up. We're going to die. Are you serious? He says, Jonah, arise. Call on your God. Maybe he's the God that can save us. And little did he know, little did the captain know that is exactly the God that we need to call out to to save us from our sin. Guys, it's those desperate times and those storms in our lives that we need to be calling out, God, save me. Save me and heal me. Make me whole, God. Make me whole. See, and then last week, guys, as we went through this whole scenario, we discovered the gospel message. It's right there. For you see, the sailors discovered that Jonah was the cause of the violent storm, right? They asked him, here, here's their question. What shall we do that the sea may, may remain calm for? What should we do to get the, calm, the, the, the sea to be calm? In other words, here's what they were asking. You ready? It's a great question. What must we do to be saved? Okay, that's what they're asking. They're looking at Jonah. It's everything is going crazy. There's, you know, cargo everywhere floating around. Probably, probably winds and, and, and waves are hitting it. And they're looking at Jonah going, what do we need to do to be saved? To be saved. And I started thinking about that. Isn't that a great question? It reminds me, it reminds me of a New Testament story. It reminds me of a New Testament story where that same question was asked. Now, you don't have to turn there, but let me give you some background. Paul and Silas, two compadres, right, preaching the gospel. Paul and Silas were preaching the gospel in Philippi. And as they preached and they prayed, a demon-possessed girl cried, was following them around, and they were crying out. She was crying out. She's like, she's like, can you imagine? Here's Paul and Silas walking down the street, right? Hey, where are you headed? Um, we're headed to Starbucks. I don't know if they have Starbucks there, but we're headed to Starbucks. And this, I mean, we're going to preach the gospel there. And here's this demon-possessed. And she's following them around in a loud voice going, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim the way of salvation. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Don't need a microphone. I'm good. And she just keeps crying out and following them. Eventually, Paul's like, really, I've just had about enough. And he casts the demon out of her. And you go, well, that's, a, that's an amen. Well, it's an amen for her. But guess what? The merchants, her masters, were like, uh-uh. You just took our profit away. You just, she was... Uh, she was our novelty, man. People would come and pay big bucks to see her. What did you do? So guess what they did? They had Paul and Silas thrown in jail. Really? Dun, 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 dun. What's the charge? You cast out demons. Well, really? I didn't know that was against the law. Well, well, you know, and they made up some phony charge. And Paul and Silas are in jail. And that's where we pick it up in Acts chapter 16. You can just jot this down, but let me read it to you. And having received such a charge, he put them into inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Okay, so like, what was the crime, right? But it was bad enough that I'm just like, okay, you guys, you guys are, you guys are a flight risk. You guys, put them in the stocks. What do we do? Well, you took our profit away. They're just, I mean, they made up this thing, right? So they're in stocks. Can you imagine? And at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Now, here's where I throw up, here's where I throw up the white flag, okay? Because can we shoot straight? If I'm in prison and my feet are in stocks 
And this is not, and guys, we're not talking like HBO, right? You have internet and you have weights and it's, I mean, we're not talking that kind of prison. We're talking about like there's rats and it's just damp and I mean, it's just not a good time, right? What are they doing? They're singing. You know what I'd be doing? Complaining. Maybe my prayer would be, God, why am I in here? You know, I'm just trying to do you, God, please. Uh, now, don't look at me that way because you guys would complain the same way. They're singing, and I want to take that lesson because I love the fact that in the midst of a storm, how many of you have been in a storm? You know what I'm talking about. It doesn't have to be a real storm. We just know we can be singing and praying. Why? Because other prisoners are listening. Say that. Say, what, what, what did you say, Pastor? Guys, listen. When we, when we come out, listen, listen. When we come out and we're a Christian, not in the T-shirt sense, not in that my daddy was a, was a pastor or my great-daddy was a pastor, whatever. I'm talking about a transformed heart, follower of Jesus Christ. Everyone else is looking and listening. And they watch the episodes in your life and they go, I want to see how they're going to react. Because, see, we're claiming peace and forgiveness and compassion and love. And then when something happens, they're watching. They're watching. Hey, I noticed you just went through a storm. I'm watching. Hey, I, I noticed that something, you know, you, you're on your way to church. You've got four flat tires. Are you singing? Are you singing? Are you singing? You go, Pastor, you asked that already. Okay, okay, let's back that up. Okay. How, how many times, if, like, like if we're driving to church, right, and we're like, bless the Lord, and we're just worshiping God, right, and we get four flat tires, right, all of a sudden we're like, Bleh. None, none, of, none of our minds go to the place, guys, where we go, wow, maybe God is, maybe God is in this, and, and I wasn't supposed to get any farther because he knew that in a few short miles or something, you know, I wish, I, I want to be there, right? Don't you want to be there? Because I'm the guy going, are you kidding me? I was on my way to church. I didn't do anything wrong. And we're just complaining. I'm just calling my wife and can you come get me? And, I don't, and I'm just, and she's like, calm down. You know, whatever it is. I mean, just think about it. Maybe it's not four flat tires, but maybe, maybe your engine just stalls for no reason. It's never done that before. Never has again. But for some reason, and guys, we need to look with the perspective that Jesus is in us and he knows what's best for us. Suddenly, they're singing, and they're singing hymns to God. They're worshiping, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so the foundation of the prison were shaken, and immediately the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosened, and we would say, amen, that's God's provision. Listen, 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 listen. Do you think that God had already prepared Paul and Silas before the chains came loose? He's already, been, he's already been preparing them. How so? Okay, okay, stay with me. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't you? Wow, what an earthquake. I'm out of here. Notice, but, but see, there's a custom here. There's a custom. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself. You see, the custom was that if you're in charge of the prisoners and... If they escaped in any way, it was your life. So he pulls out his sword. He's like, man, I don't know what this is all about. He's going about. And notice, notice, here's how God prepared Paul and Silas. 
But Paul called in a loud voice, don't harm yourself, we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Why, church? Why? Because the natural response was to go, right? Chains are broken, doors are open, I'm out of here. Paul says, we're, not, we're still here. We're still here. We're still here. We're still here. And he comes in and, he's, and, he's, and he brought them out and he said, notice what he says. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What a great question. What must I do to be saved? And I love that Paul answers verse 31. He says, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. I mean, that, that really is a, that is a mic drop right there, right? <laughs> that, what else are you going to say? What else are you going to say on that? It's like, how much should we be saved? I mean, and, and, and here's what blows my mind, right? Here's what, here's what God is doing to, to us, guys. Here's what God is doing to us as a church. Here's what God is doing to us. He's preparing us before the earthquake. And then when the storm happens or the earthquake happens, then you get that person to come to you and go, hey, what, what do I got to do to be saved? Your response is simple, guys. Hey, just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and all your household. Is that it? It's too easy. You mean just believe? Yeah, just believe. See, we take, we take evangelism, guys, and we twist it and we make it and we think we have to have these big theological discussions when really the gospel is simple. How? Believe in the Lord. Romans tells us that what? If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we'll be saved. This. And, so, and so that's what's going on here in the New Testament. The same questions that the sailors asked. Hey, what do we do to be saved? So back in Jonah... Right? What must we do to be saved? Jonah's reply? What was it? Sacrifice me. Throw me into the sea. You realize that that's, that's where he's going to die, right? I mean, he's, it, you know, think about it. I mean, he's most likely going to drown. So he's like, listen, you, you want to be saved? Throw me into the sea. <sighs> Jonah knew. Jonah knew something. Because, guys, I like to try to put myself in Jonah's sandals from time to time. And I don't know if I would necessarily say, throw me into the sea. Hey, hey, you know the, the dinghy there, the lifeboat? Hey, I'll, I'll just take that and get out of y'all hair, okay? I'm good. Just, hey, I'll, just roll, I'll just roll back. I'll, I'll roll back. It's, it's not that far. Are we like that? Jonah's like, no, here's, here's what it's, it's going to take. What? It's going to take me into the sea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. I'm going to die. Well, men's ways are different than God's ways. Can I get an amen? Because we learned that men ignored Jonah's command to be sacrificed, and he tried to what? To do the works on themselves. Verse 13 says, Nevertheless, the men rode hard, trying to get back to land. Hey, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nah, <laughs> nah. Listen, I'm gonna, I, I think I'm going to do things. I'm going to row hard. I'm going to row hard for God to like me. I'm going to roll hard for God to let. I mean, I'm going to try. I'm going to do my very best. I'm going to do my very best. You know, I'm, I'm going to start with my wardrobe because God likes me. I'm going to start with my wardrobe. I'm, I'm going to make sure that I'm, you know, color coordinated. And, and, then, and then I'm going to, you know, and then I'm going to do a lot of works. I'm going to do a lot of works. And that's exactly what they're doing here. They're trying to row. And notice what the Bible says. This is what they couldn't. Why? Because man's ways are never God's ways. 
for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Can you imagine? The harder they rode, the, the bigger the storm. Church, men still, mankind still does that today. We try to save ourselves by our works. It's called religion. It's called religion. It's called religion. And it's been said that religion is man reaching up to God, but Christianity is God reaching down to man. And I heard, um, I heard this illustration, and, and I love it because uh, my brother's sitting here, and he's got a Jewish star on, but let me just use this illustration. It's so good, okay? You guys remember the Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston? Dun, 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 right? Do you remember? We've all seen that movie. In the movie, right, the, the Passover lamb's coming, and what are they called to do? They're called to put blood on the top of the doorpost, right, the top of the door, and on the sides. You guys with me? And when the death angel saw that, it would pass over. I mean, so there's Joshua, right? And he's going around, and... He's putting blood, and he does this, and he goes, now, here's what I want you to see. That really was a, that really was a picture of, of men really trying to reach up to God, because Jesus hadn't come yet, okay? So you really, you've got, you've got a tip, and then you've got blood on each side. You see that? And so you can kind of make like a triangle. God, men reaching up to God. When Jesus came, and he taught for those three and a half years, right, and he died on the cross, it was actually opposite. Right? You had blood on one side, blood on the other, and blood on the feet, and it was kind of a, a triangle on the bottom. You see, the other one was us trying to go, God, we, we need to be accepted. But Jesus came down and said, the only way you can be accepted is through the cross. You, you with me? So you take those two, you take the upward and the downward, and it makes the star of David. I mean, it's just like, but but the point is, Man has always been reaching up to God, saying, God, I can do this. And he goes, no, 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 it's really simple. I'm going to come down to you. I'm going to come down to you. I'm going to come down to you. So, back in our story, they eventually succumb to the pressure of the sea. And a lot of their fear, because they're thinking we're going to die, they pick Jonah up, right? And they toss him into the sea. Now, we think it's just like, dude, get over here. But they were afraid, right? Because he's a prophet. They knew he's a prophet. But nonetheless, I don't know who did it. But you probably had some big brother guy go, I'll do it. You know, and just, and they throw him over and they throw him over. Listen, the one thing we know is that when that happened, the sea became calm. That is crazy. Jonah, if you will, let's, let's remember Jonah's in the water and he's, he's really knocking on death's door. And you go, why? Because listen, it's not that they look over and Jonah's treading water somewhere trying to survive. He's, he's sinking like a rock. Okay? There, you're not going to tread water with high billows of, of, of wind and rain and, and, and waves. I mean, he's just, he's just going down. You guys tracking with me? He's going down. And he's sinking deeper, deeper into water. And, and, and we can learn the lesson, right? When he disobeyed God, he went down, down, paid the fare, went right down into the bottom of the boat, and now he's down into the sea. Can I just say this? This is my opinion. I, when we're disobedient, when we're straight up disobedient to God, God says this is what this is how it is, and we're disobedient. It really is a downward spiral. It really is. 
But the point is, is that's not our God. See, we can be on a downward spiral, but I love, I love the way, right? Because notice verse 17. It says, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Okay? So some of us in, in a disobedient state, some of us maybe haven't responded and given our lives to Jesus. We're in a downward spiral, but the point is, is that God still loves you and he still, still wants to save you. Why? He created a fish. Now, listen, there's a lot of skeptics out there go, really, can a fish eat? I mean, have you seen the ocean? I mean, have you seen? The... I'm like, I get in an airplane, and we're flying over the Pacific Ocean or the Atlantic Ocean, and I, and I see, I mean, it's a big old ship, and it's about this big. I mean, you've got to know there's something in there. God ordained this fish to swallow Jonah, to save him. To save him. Can, can I say this to you guys? Can I plead with you? If you're praying for God to save somebody, keep praying. Because even when he hits rock bottom, God can send a fish to save him. God can send a fish to save him. So we know that if this fish didn't swallow Jonah, church, what would happen? He would die. Right? He'd be knock, knock, knocking on. I mean, he'd be really be knocking on heaven's door. I mean, that's really it is. But again, we see the salvation of God. But this also gives us a picture of the resurrection. Beautiful resurrection. See, Jonah 1.17 describes how Jonah was swallowed by a giant fish. Now, the Lord had prepared that great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly three days and three nights. And now notice over in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, which Jesus Christ actually gave the sign that he was the Messiah. Matthew 38 through 40 says this, Jesus is speaking, he says, then some scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Now, Jesus had been proclaiming, he'd been doing signs all over the place, right? He'd been feeding people. I mean, this is, I mean, this is crazy. I mean, he's all over news. He's all over the news, okay? You could not open your Facebook page without seeing Jesus doing a miracle. Facebook Live, there's Jesus, right? And there's all this vision, and they're like, oh, it's Jesus. And he just, crowds would follow him all over the place. You guys understand, I mean, that's what's going on. I mean, it was on the news constantly. And now you've got some Pharisees, some scribes crossing their arms and going, we want to see a sign. And he's like, I, are you serious? So he says, okay, okay, here, here it is. He answered them and he said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Can I just stop you right there, guys? Can I just stop right there? The Antichrist is going to come, and he's going to do great signs, and he's going to deceive many. Pastor, your point, guys, we don't follow after a sign. We follow after the word of God. Even if, He says, even if, even if a, 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 somebody comes and says, listen, I can call fire down from heaven, this is our foundation. This has to be our foundation. We'll get deceived. Well, it doesn't line up with the word of God. I know, but that's an ancient book. I don't even know if it's relevant anymore. And there we go. Uh-uh, we stick to the word of God. It has to be the foundation. It has to be. Guys, we should know this book. We have so many, we have so many preachers, too many, so many pastors, and we go, we need new revelation. There's a lot in here we haven't even got. Hallelujah. I mean, I'm like, we need new application to the same stuff. We're not, I mean, listen, God spoke. God spoke, and, and this is, Anyway, that's, that was free. 
Okay, I'm not going to charge you for that. That was free. It wasn't even in my notes. Uh, evil and adulterous generation, generation seeks after the sign. But here's the sign that's going to give you. The prophet Jonah. He points back to Jonah. Pastor Ben, was Jonah a real person? Well, Jesus said he was. And he said this. For as Jonah was in three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be in, where? In the heart of the earth, three days and three nights. Guys, wow. Jonah, now, okay, let's, let's chat for just a moment, okay? Because Jonah, he was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, but he was alive in there, okay? I don't know what he was doing, eating sushi? Just kidding. Uh, I don't know, I mean, I don't know if it was comfortable. He's just like in a recliner going, wow, this is crazy. I don't know if he was praying on his knees. I don't know if he just was, I, I don't know. When we get to heaven, we'll ask him. We'll be, yo, Jay, what up? You know, I mean, just... But what I do know is he was alive. He was alive in there. And, and think about this. Eventually, guess what happens? Eventually, the fish gets sick of Jonah, right? And he decides to go, uh-uh, this doesn't feel good, right? And so he, he says, get rid of it. It's a picture of the resurrection. How so? Jesus, guys, was alive in the belly of the earth three days and three nights. Jesus went down to Abraham's bosom and he led captivity captivity. He said, hey, come on, guys, are you ready to go? You ready? Moses, how you doing? Hadn't seen you in a while. Let's go. Right? And so that's what he did. It's a picture of the resurrection. So all of a sudden, guys, in the Old Testament, you've got people to go, well, we don't read the Old Testament because, well, we're New Testament people. Guys, the gospel is in the Old Testament. It will just take some time to look, and here's the resurrection. Listen, if a dog bites a man, that's not news. But when a man bites a dog, that's news. When a man catches a fish, that's not news. But when a fish catches a man, that's news. Most of us take fish stories with a grain of salt because fishermen exaggerate, right? I caught a fish this, I'm looking at you, Santos, this big. However, it was Jesus who told this story about a fish catching a man. And God doesn't exaggerate because God cannot lie. He tells the truth. He tells the truth. And so the story, guys, of Jonah illustrates the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And we encroach on that credibility of Christ if we say that Jonah was a myth. Now, huge introduction. Love the gospel. As we move to chapter 2, if you're taking note, I'm calling this message Prayer from Death's Door. Prayer from Death's Door. Why? For tonight we discover Jonah's prayer is literally knocking on death's door. Yet God not only hears Jonah, but responds in love and compassion. The same way, church, listen, he wanted Jonah to respond to the Ninevites. Let me say that again. Jonah's going to go into massive knocking. I'm going to pray. I'm on death's door. And he's going to respond. God's going to respond with love, compassion, grace, and mercy. The same way he wanted Jonah to respond when he called him in verse 1. You guys with me? And I think it's a great applicational point, right? 
Why? Because guys, we're called to love people back to life. We're called to love people. And listen, that takes work. It takes sacrifice. But that's what we're called to do. And we're called to love the unlovables. And guys, let's, let's just shoot straight, okay? You've heard me say this a thousand times. When you shine the light in a very dark place, you're not going to like what you see. If we shine the light in the light, what do we see? Well, we already see what's in the light. We shine the light in a dark place. And there are a lot of people, guys, who are hurting and broken. And the world says, you're unlovable. You're unlovable. You're a mess up. You're, you're, you're a loser. You're broken. You're just, just get away. And God says, no, no, no. You, you, you have my spirit in you. I want you to love those people back to life. I want you to love the unlovables. How do I do that, Pastor? Well, some of us, man, have a real gift of prayer. Pray for them. Pray for them. You're just on your knees and you're praying, you're interceding, praise the Lord. Some of us have a real gift to what? Some of us have a real gift to, to, to buy that guy a Coke. Listen to the Lord. Listen to the Lord. Because he'll tell you stuff. Like, like if you're going to get a haircut, right? And, you, and, and you, the God might say, hey, listen, I want you to buy, I want you to buy your barber a cup of coffee. Are you serious, God? Because now I have to stop and to go in and you won't appreciate that. I mean, it's just, it's just a cup. Of, I want you to buy him a cup of coffee. Okay. You know, you walk in and I mean, you just, you, right? You, he's just like, why, why would you buy, why, why would you buy me that? Hey man, we're friends. Besides you cut my hair and I want to make sure I look smooth, right? How, there's different ways for all of us, different ways to love people, different ways. Listen, here's an easy one. Ready? Ready? How about a smile? Why is the world walking like this every day? Well, because we got four flat tires coming to church, but that's a whole other story. But if we smile at people and just let them know that we care. Am I lying on this? How many times have you gone to the grocery store? You're in a hurry. You're in the eight item or less line, but you have 10 items, but you're in a hurry. And, and you tell the chair, how you doing? Right? And next thing you know, she's telling you. Okay. Uh, beep. And she just, and, and she just, her heart's broken, right? Her heart's broken. And she's, she's had a big fight with her husband. Her kids are disobedient. And you just asked, how are you? And God wants to use you. God wants to use you. A lot of reasons, guys. Guys, here's, here's why we love people. You ready? Jot this down. We, the reason we do this, guys, is because we truly understand that God knows us inside and out and still loves us. If that doesn't blow you away, I mean, seriously, right? Seriously. He, listen, there is nobody, I mean, there's nobody on this earth other than my wife that knows me inside. I mean, she knows, it's scary. She knows my facial expressions, you know? I mean, she knows them. She knows what I, uh, I have to just wear a mask or something, but you go, Pastor, your point, there's nobody who knows me better than my wife, and she still loves me. I mean, she still keeps being there when I get home, so that's a good thing, right? 30 years later, I'm just like, oh, is she going to be there? Yes! Hashtag winning. Because I know me. And God knows you, and he still loves you. And I think about Gomer, right? Do you remember Gomer from the Hosea series? Gomer is, man, he, Gomer was unfaithful. 
Gomer was, was sinful. She was wayward. Her heart was prone to wander. And yet God says, Hosea, I want you to love her. Guys, and tonight, if you feel wayward from God tonight, he stands with open arms, ready to forgive you, ready to love you. He just does. And we, we, we need to preach the message of forgiveness. God is a God of forgiveness. He's a God of, listen, hey, come on home, come on home. But God, I didn't do everything right, really. If you did, I wouldn't need to send my son to die on the cross. I know, I get it. Come on home. God, I'm not lovable. That's exactly it. I am love. And because I am love, you're lovable. Okay. So let's tackle chapter two. Let me see how much time I have. My goodness. Chapter two, verse one. Let's look, let's talk about Jonah's prayer and we'll move pretty quick. Verse one says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the, from the fish's belly. When he was in the fish's belly, that's when Jonah prayed. Okay, so I, I, want, to, I want you to see the structure of how, how it's laid out. Uh, I'm going to get to it in a second, but let me just kind of give you a preview. There's two prayers in this, okay? There's two prayers actually in, in verses 1 through 9. And, and, and just kind of picture how, this, how a movie scene goes back to one area and then back, and you kind of get the whole picture. Right now he's going, when I was in the belly of a fish, okay, when I was there, I prayed to the Lord. And the question a lot of people go, how can Jonah even breathe in the belly of a fish? And I'm saying if God can create a fish, he had lots of compartments, and Jonah could breathe, okay? But, but can I step on your toes for a second? I'll step on my own toes too, but can I step on you? Yeah, no? Okay, well, I'm going to anyway. Why did Jonah wait so long to pray? Why did he wait when, why did he, wait when he was in the belly of the fish? And I think, and the Lord's like, aren't you like that too? Church, let me ask you a question. When you hit a storm, when you, when you get in the belly of a fish, metaphorically, why, why are we not praying before that? What's the first thing we want to do? We want to handle it ourselves, right? We'll take care of it. I've got thick skin. I'll take care of this. I'll make some phone calls. I'll confront that person. I'll do whatever I need to do. Instead, you know, Jonah, listen, if we were going to admonish Jonah, we would say, dude, pray. You should have been praying in the boat. You should have been praying on the shore. But it's, it's those tight messes that, that we, we get in with God. Okay, so the structure is two, two, two prayers, right? Let me, let me give this just for the sake of, of, of notes. Um, there's two, there's two, two prayers in this one prayer. One is from the belly of the fish. And from chapter, verses 1 through 9, he's going to give thanksgiving. He's going to say, right, because he's going to say, Lord, capital L-O-R-D. So he's already, he's already praising the Lord. And then from 2 to 7, it's actually recalling the prayer from the water, okay? So he's going to go, I remember when I prayed to you, I praise you, God. And then he goes back to the water. That's the petition. So you have thanksgiving and petition, right? Look at verse 2. And he said, I cried to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. And you heard my voice. If you have a King James Version or, or a different version, it might say, out of the belly of hell I cried. And so a lot of people go, aha, Jonah died. 
Jonah died. But if you look at the literal Hebrew translation, it actually means I was praying to you from death's door. I was dying. So, so in his mind, he went back into the water. Bloop, 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 bloop. I don't know about you, but you can't breathe in water. Okay? You can't breathe in water. And it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing. It happened to me one time. I jumped in a swimming pool, started swimming, thought I could swim, got tired, went to reach for the bottom. There was no bottom. I sunk like a rock. I was literally drowning. You can't breathe underwater. That's the same thing that Jonah, Jonah's going, listen, I, I cried out to you. And uh, out of the belly of Sheol, he said, you heard my voice. You heard my voice. Now, remember, this indicates that Jonah, guys, was going to die. He was drowning on his way down to the bottom of the sea. So he does one thing that I think we should all do in times of those, those distress is pray, right? But can I, can I encourage you? Can I exhort you this way? I think at this point we could say Jonah's prayer was honest. It was sincere, right? It was heartfelt. It was very directed. He wasn't just praying in general terms. God, listen, hey, um, if you get a chance, you know, if you're not too busy, um, he was, it was very directed. Why? Because it's those times. But, and it was in distress. I mean, it was, a, it was a distressed prayer. And I think, guys, a lot of times we need to pray this way. We need to pray honestly to God. We need to open up our heart and say, God, you know my heart. I'm not trying to hide anything from you. I'm not trying to fool you. He knows anyway. We're so good at trying to fool each other. We think we can fool God. And God says, no, no. Here's what I want you to do. He prays. If you were here on, on, if you were here on Sunday, you remember the prayer of the Amidah. You know what the Amidah is? Every Jewish boy knew the Amidah, right? 18, uh, 19 prayers, 18. But remember, they knew this prayer. And Jonah was a good Hebrew. So he would know the Amidah. Now, listen, Jonah didn't have time to pray 19 prayers. He's drowning, but he condensed his Amida, right? The first three are, you guys ready? You, you saw this on Sunday. Let me just go through it real quick. It's the uh, Shavach, Shavach. It's praise. And I like this because it serves to inspire the worshiper to invoke God's mercy. Amen. I'm drowning. God save me. You want to pray the, the, the Amida, the Shavach? God save me. You're amazing, God. I love you. You're, you're greater than I am. I can't save myself. And then, do you remember the middle section? It's called the bakasha, and it's the, it's the request. And, he's, and this, is where he, this is where he gets the request. And, of course, we know the hodah, hododah, sorry. It's the gratitude, and so we learned that. But Jonah, guys, right now is in dire straits, and he's praying. He's praying a condensed version of the other God, please save me. And then he just, here's the petition. Here's the petition. He says, I cried out to the Lord. Verse 3, and you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Guys, describing and describing his watery experience, here's what I want you to jot down. Jonah acknowledged his circumstances were judgment from the Lord, not the fish. Are you with me? Jonah goes, Lord, oh, here's my circumstance. It was my disobedience that, I mean, I'm in this mess. A lot of times go, hey, are you in the belly of a fish? What'd you do? You dis- That's not the fish. The fish was salvation. It was the circumstances, guys. Think about this. Jonah recognized that, and 
And he might have been thinking, I should have obeyed, Lord, because this, this fish, I mean, think about it. it. It's probably smelled. The fish's, the juices, the, the internal, the intestinal stuff is probably washing him whitewash. I mean, it was, probably, it was probably pretty gross. He said, this is far worse than going over to the Ninevites. I mean, that would have been a piece of cake. This is not good. And he said, verse 4, then I said, I've been cast out from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Guys, here's what I want you to see. Jonah's greatest pain was not the calamity, but his separation from God. He's like, he said, listen, I, I don't even care. I don't even care if I'm in a fish. I don't even care if I'm in the ocean. Here's what hurts me. I'm separated, God. I'm separated from you. I'm separated, guys. And he gives us a picture of those who have not given their hearts to Jesus Christ because they're going to be separated from God for eternity. So Jonah, his feeling that he was cast out of his sight, he was still determined. Even in the valley of fish, he kind of turns his head towards the temple. And that's how they prayed. And he remembered the Lord. And I wrote down here, are we like Jonah or what? He had looked away from the temple until he got into a problem that he couldn't fix. How many times do we look away from God or walk away from God until we get into a problem we cannot fix. And then we're like, oh, I got to run to God. I mean, this just gives us hope because Jonah, Jesus mentioned Jonah and we're, I, mean, I feel like, man, okay, we can learn that. See, hope sprang up in Jonah, guys, when he looked to God again. Verse five, the water surrounded me, even, even my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds wrapped around my head. If you were to do a study on weeds in the Bible, you realize that, that Jesus spoke of weeds in the New Testament. You remember what it was? He talked about weeds being the cares of this world. You remember that? He said some seed fell on stony ground and some other seed, and, and the weeds choked it out, the cares of this world. And I was thinking, Jonah mentions weeds around, and I just wondered, I just started thinking, I was just like, Wow. Do you remember last week's teaching title? It's called It's My Life. Like Jonah was like, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to, I'm going to live my life my way. I just wonder if he, he had let the cares of the world just get a hold of him. And now he's going, man, Lord, I, I'm sorry. I'm praying to you. And I let. Well, here's the application, guys. We've, we are called by God to love people back to life, to love the unlovables. But let me say this to you. When we make a conscience effort not to do that, it too can be said of us, we're more concerned with the cares of the world than people. We can also go, oh, man, I, I'm in disobedience, I've got weeds all over me. Got, and that's what they feel like, the cares of the world, the cares of the world. Jonah, take the weeds off, take the weeds off. Verse 6, and I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought me up, my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Adam Clark in his commentary writes this. He says, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. This may also be a literally understood. The fish followed the slanting base of the mountains till they terminated in the plain at the bottom of the great deep. And then he says, he says, the earth with her bars, he represents himself as a prisoner 
in a dungeon, closed in bars which he could not remove, at which first appeared to be forever the place where his life must turn. So he's thinking, this is it. This is it. And then he says, and then God heard me. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. You saved me, God. You saved me. Can I say this to you guys? Can I say this to you? Listen, God's not mad at you. God's madly in love with you, and he has a plan and a purpose. And sometimes we feel exactly like Jonah. I'm drowning. I'm drowning. I'm drowning. And God says, no, 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 I've got you. I've got you. Listen, I'm dying. I've got you. I've got you. Let me close real quick. I've got I've got two minutes. I want to I want to recap. Okay, I want to recap. The central the central theme of this book is obeying God's will brings blessing to us and through us, but disobedience brings discipline. Okay, let's let me leave you with two things. Okay, number one, I want you to realize it was the circumstances that Jonah found himself that was the discipline for his disobedience. All the circumstance, okay, not the fish. God created the fish to save him, okay? It's important for us to recognize, guys, if we're in a dark place with the Lord, right now it could be very well our disobedience to his word and his ways. But listen, we don't, we don't want the, the Frank Sinatra song, and I did it my way. We don't want to knock on death's door. I mean, you know, we want to go, listen, Lord, I did it your way. And maybe you feel like you're in a dark spot right now with God. And and listen, it's time to cry out to Jesus for, for God, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. See, our hope is found only in him. That's the first thing. The second thing, guys, is sometimes we'll find ourselves in the belly of a fish, metaphorically speaking, okay? Remember the prayer that Jonah prayed. He cried out to the Lord and and be honest. Be honest, be sincere, and be transparent because God sees anyway. In our prayers, we just cry out, God, God. Listen, our prayers should be, God, I love you. I praise you. I'm a mess. I'm a mess. From my toenails to the top of my head, God, I am a mess. And I know you know that, and I know you love me. God, help me. Help me do the right thing. Help me, help me grow in this. Guys, it's called what? Progressive sanctification. Growing more like Jesus each and every day. But we're a mess. We're a mess. Jonah was a prophet, and he ran from God. A lot of us do that, and God still says, listen, I'm going to save you. I've got a plan for your life. So next week, church, next week, we'll finish up with chapter two. Okay, we'll finish up the last few verses. And then next week, we'll partake in communion. So that is prayer on death's door. Shall we pray? Jesus, you are great and awesome and wonderful and compassionate. And Lord, that is our prayer. Our prayer is to run to you, to give you our hearts, to give you our lives. God, we... We need you, Lord. We need every bit. Lord, we need you to guide us, to speak to us. 
All of our hearts are yours. God, we thank you for Jonah, and we look forward one day to talking to him. And we look forward one day to, to just knowing a little bit of what Jonah went through in our lives. And so, God, we love you so much. We thank you for, we thank you for tonight's Bible study. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. And so, God, we love you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.